0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Kendra Adachi. She is the podcaster at the Lazy Genius Podcast. She's the author of The Lazy Genius Way, Embrace What Matters, Ditch What Doesn't, and Get Stuff Done, and the author also of her new book, The Lazy Genius Kitchen. Have what you need, use what you have, and enjoy it like never before. And in this conversation, we're going to dive into the content of both those books, but also the ethos that she has as to what a lazy genius is. Kendra is part systems expert, part permission giver. She is giving you permission to be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. And I hope that piques your interest because it sure did for me. And in a lot of ways, it embodies the attitude, the approach that I have attempted to bring to this show the entire time, that productivity is not a one size fits all or a silver bullet, that it is very much tailored about you and who you are and what you need to do and seasonality and making changes, and that's why a lot of times people get down on productivity because they think, oh, I just want to lock something in place and then be productive the rest of my life, and unfortunately, that is not how it works, but hey, that's why I get to do a show for 10 years about productivity. So keep that thought in your mind that the lazy genius, being a lazy genius, which is something you can be, is about being a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. Keep that in your head. What are those things that you want to be lazy about that you would love to have permission to be lazy about and see if at the end of this conversation, you don't feel like you have permission to do that, because I think you will. So I'm going to get out of the way. I know that you're going to enjoy this conversation with Kendra Adachi. I loved talking with her. This will definitely only be the first time she's on the show. She will be back again. Enjoy this conversation with Kendra Adachi. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Kendra Adachi. Kendra, welcome to Beyond the To Do List.
1: Thank you for having me, Eric. It's great to be here.
0: So I geeked out a little bit before recording and I'm just, I'll give this brief synopsis <laughs> here. I wish I'd known about you sooner because one, you've got a great podcast. Two, you've got a previous book that it was a bestseller called The Lazy Genius Way. The podcast is called The Lazy Genius. And now you have a new book, The Lazy Genius Kitchen. We're going to touch on all those things, but To start with, obviously, we've used the phrase the lazy genius a few different times, and we need to define that before we get into the meat of the conversation. So what is a lazy genius?
1: A lazy genius is a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. And what is super important about that is that different things matter to different people. So when I share my content, it is very rarely, you know, this is what I'm doing and you should do it too. Instead, it's thinking through the lens of what matters to you. In this specific scenario, in this category, in this topic, like what actually matters to you? And then we can walk through some steps of how to either give more energy to that thing that you wish you had more energy for, or you can, you know, just be a little lazier and say, you know, I'm going to delegate that. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to give like C work to that because it's, it's not as important as the other thing. It is just so important that we have permission. What I don't want to happen is for people to think they have to be amazing at everything or they just have to give up on all of it. And that's kind of where we swing often is we're like, I'm going to be a genius about everything and everything's amazing. And you're like nailing it at work and at home. And you know, I even resist that phrase of like, you're winning at things because it just feels like a lot of pressure. (laughs) Like, it's just a lot of pressure to feel like I'm always winning at everything. I don't know that that's the energy that I want to bring into my days all the time, personally. And then what happens, though, when you are trying to be amazing at everything and balance all of it, and you can't, right? You hit a wall, you hit a season of life, you hit some sort of life transition where you're like, oh, this isn't working anymore. So often what we do is we just let everything go. We're just like, well, I don't care. I can't. I can't keep up. And you become all lazy about everything. And I think it's just really important for us to remember that it's good to care about things. It's good to want to put energy and time and money and effort and expertise into certain things in our lives, the ones that matter to us. It's good. It's good to do that. But you have to remember that that is going to be at the expense of other things because we intellectually know we can't do it all, but that doesn't mean that we can't do any of it. We can just do what matters.
0: That is one of the closest approaches to productivity that I'm trying to get across with this show that I've ever heard from anybody else who's been a guest on the show. One thing that I want to call out here, and I I mentioned this before recording, is that I bought your previous book, The Lazy Genius Way, for myself and my wife to go through, as well as the cookbook. Well, it's not a cookbook. We'll get to that. (laughs) Point being is I knew... That this was something that I had accidentally stumbled upon, but it was like something that I'm so in sync with. In fact, the thing you said about choosing which things you're going to be lazy about and that you can't do everything and you aren't trying to tell people, you know, you may have best practices and there may be principles that exist. However, it's about how you apply them and if you apply them, to you because you're a unique individual. It brings to mind strength finders. I don't know how familiar you are with that. I am. So the whole point of that is figure out what your strengths are and then lean in on those and stop trying to cover over your weaknesses. You don't need to do that. You need to lean into your strengths. And yes, also partner with people that can cover your weaknesses because they're strong in the places you're weak, et cetera. But The point being is that you lean in on the strengths, that you pick, you pick what you're lazy about, and actually you even give yourself permission to be lazy about them, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. Because it's definitely something that we apologize for. I will often, when I will have conversations with people and I will ask, what are you lazy about? I see that as a really inspiring question. I see that as a permission-giving question. Like, What are you lazy about? Like, What are you letting go? And the tone that people often have where they're like, well... I mean, I'm lazy about this, but I know I shouldn't be. And it's like, no, 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 Uh, uh-uh. that's not what we do here. It's okay. It's good. It's actually really important and necessary. It's necessary to choose things in your life that you're going to be lazy about. And one thing that's super important, you mentioned the first book, The Lazy Genius Way, that book has 13 principles that you can apply one at a time in combination you can apply to any situation in any season of life. And one of those principles is to live in the season. And I think that's really important even in just explaining what a lazy genius is. It's not that you are saying, this matters in my life forever, or I'm going to be lazy about this forever. It could just be, man, we just had a new kid we are gonna be lazy about dinner for the next six months because we have to be. That's what we're choosing to be lazy about because of the season of life that we are in. Or I just got a new job or I'm now working at home or maybe it's the other way because we're like, maybe coming out, we're coming out of this, this crazy last couple of years, but you've been working at home and now you are going back to the office, right? That is going to be a season of life, that transition. Even if it's just a week, a month, six months, however long it takes you to kind of transition back where that feels more normal again, that season of life requires you to look at what matters. What matters right now? What do I really want to focus on in this time? What do I want to let go of in this time? So it's also really important to remember that, that it's not like you're setting a machine of like humanity and like, okay, this is what matters to me for the rest of my life. Boom it doesn't work that way. We're too dynamic. There are too many different seasons, too many things outside of our control. So it's really good to be nimble in what matters to us.
0: Both in the literal seasons of life, as well as the figurative seasons of life. We're entering into a literal season right now. You know, And I don't know what the first day of summer is. I think we might be already in it, or maybe we're late spring as we record this. But either way, point being, it's summer and school is out. And Yeah, I don't think we personally as a family have said, hey, what can we be lazy about this summer? Although it's almost bipolar when summer comes. It's like, I'm going to get a bunch of stuff done this summer. Ah, (laughs) Let's hustle. And then the other part is me like, no, let's relax. Let's take it easy. Let's And it's like how to have both of those things in your mind at the same time. This is almost a remedy to that in a lot of ways.
1: It is. It is because anybody who is into productivity, generally speaking, is a pretty all or nothing person by default. We're just kind of like, well, we're going to build this big old machine. We're going to make these lists. We're going to have these planners. We're going to have these strategies. We're going to read these books. And we're going to kind of MacGyver together this way of living. And what we think the goal is, is to automate everything or to make everything work at like peak efficiency. And we're not robots, you know, we're human beings. There are lots of things that go into how we're going to react any given day. And so what is really important there too is to remember that all or nothing default that we have, that it's not, we're going to use the summer to just do projects the whole time and we're going to get so many things done or that the summer is, well, we're just going to spend the entire time resting. Life is always so, it's this wide middle, right? And so these principles and this approach, I think really gives people tools of like, okay, how can we look at both of these things? How can we schedule rest, which is actually one of the 13 lazy genius principles? How can we make rest part of our rhythm while we're also getting stuff done?
0: Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search. Well, one, I love that you invoked the name of MacGyver. (laughs) That's amazing. And then two, I know that you're a self-confessed, self-help junkie. Oh, for sure. So you've spent a lot of time thinking about this like I have and not just thinking about it, struggling with it, trying to, you know, cobble together and make those hacks, those systems and the rules and the routines and optimize this and squeeze the most out of that and, and all of that. But what was the process like for you In terms of getting to this place of arriving at the lazy genius, what was that process of, I guess I'll use the word enlightenment or awareness. Yeah. How did that come across?
1: It kind of happened gradually with each kid that I had. (laughs) And I know that like different people experience different things in their lives that can bring them to a place of like, huh, this isn't working. But it happened with my kids. So when I had my first kid, he's 12 now. I was young, I was in my mid twenties and I had been living an excellent life of being a perfectionist and was really good at managing things. I'm really good at systems. I'm really good at efficiency and I had lots of free time to read. And so I read every self-help book that I could find. Then I realized like, wait a minute, I, when I had my kid, it's like these plans that I had made, these things in my life, they weren't making me feel whole. They weren't giving me purpose. They were giving me a task list. They were giving me this sort of invisible finish line to chase, and it just kept moving. You know, I just felt like I was always behind. I wanted to feel content. You know, I wanted to just feel like myself, and I wanted to get my stuff done, but I didn't want to constantly be getting stuff done. And with each kid, it kind of just relaxed the expectation that I had on myself to get everything done because I literally couldn't. So when I had my first kid, it was kind of like, oh, this is not, this is not working great. What is happening? And then I kind of swung to that other side, that lazy side of like, well, I'm not going to do anything. And that was also very fulfilling. So then when I had my second kid, two years later, I kind of settled in a little bit with sort of trusting myself, being kinder to myself and my own choices, which being kind to yourself is one of the 13 principles as well. There are some that are like super practical. I have invoked the least practical ones so far, but be kind to yourself is one of them. And that was something that was really essential in that time of just tender new motherhood. And then I just started to pay attention to conversations I was having with people and how so many of my friends in real life, but then also people on the internet, because I've been writing on the internet for mm, 14 years, something like that. And I was just noticing a pattern of people just being so tired. We're all just so tired because we're trying at everything. And I had this realization. There are so many self-help books on the planet. There are so many people who are experts at this. And some of them are actually like really qualified to call themselves that. And it's not that the content that we are reading in these self-help books is not helpful, but it is missing a really important piece, which is that if you do not have the same priorities as the author, that book is not going to resonate with you the same. But what we do is we read the book and when it doesn't work for us because it worked for all these other people and there's all these five star reviews on, you know, Amazon and Goodreads and stuff and people are swearing by this book and it doesn't do anything for us. We think we are the problem. We think that we're not doing it right. Or we need to supplement with these other six self-help books or whatever the case may be. When instead there is just this like wide range of what it means to be a person and to have different priorities. So I wanted to remedy that. And I felt like, I felt like I could because I'm a big sister in real life. And I also have, I write this in the Lazy Genius Kitchen that I have like kind big sister energy. Like, I really want to be kind, but I also want to be like, Hey, let me help you. Let me help you. This is great. You're doing great. Like, I'm kind of a big sister cheerleader in that way, who also is like really good at systems. (laughs) So as I was having these conversations, noticing these patterns in my own life, I mean, this was a, this was multiple years where I was sort of going through this. I was going to therapy and I was realizing a lot of the value that I was putting in what I was doing as opposed to just being valuable for existing, you know? And so there were just lots of things that were contributing to this enlightenment, as you said. But when I got to the point of wanting to write The Lazy Genius Way, the advice when you write a book is don't write something for everybody. But I was like, well, I'm going to try, though. I really want to try to write a self-help productivity book that anybody can read that is based on principles, that anybody with any personality, any list of priorities in any season of life with any struggle, any job, anything, that these principles are applicable, that they will work, that they will serve you, and they will help you be a genius about the things that matter to you and give you permission to be lazy about the things that don't. And so it really was such a long process of beginning to give myself permission just by nature of the way my life was shaking out over the years of having tiny humans. And I started three businesses. Every time I had a kid, I basically started a new business. So that was like cool and smart. And so I was sort of dealing with like all these normal kind of work-life balance things that a lot of other people were. And so those life experiences paired with the observations I was making of other people paired with my own Experience of reading all of these books that really did not help me and seeing them through the lens of like, oh, where are we getting our value? What is our goal here? And it kind of led to this idea of what it means to be a lazy genius.
0: That's an amazing story. And I think it's one that, well, one, I resonate with. And I know a lot of the listeners do as well because one, they're listening to the show, trying to figure out how to balance all these different things and prioritize things and get things done. Because one, they feel like they have to or they should. They're buried in shoulds, right? I think for me, it's, it's like something that you said kind of caught my attention there, where you were talking about the lazy genius way and the principles and the way that you're, you were bringing those forward as a kind older sister. So you're wanting to come alongside and help and you're also wanting to be kind. I guess my curiosity here is how does somebody who is going to pick up that as well as this book approach this as not like you're telling them what to do, but you're providing them principles that they should be looking at their life through. You're giving them permission, but how do they know that that's not the same as everybody else?
1: (laughs) This is why it's really hard to sell my books, Eric. (laughs) 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 Because honestly, like one of the biggest reasons that I wanted to write The Lazy Genius Way is because it didn't exist. That book didn't exist. Like the idea, you're absolutely right. Like we have an expectation. This is what a self-help book is. This is what a productivity book is. That's where my book is shelved in the bookstore. And so saying like the way I described it was I want to write a self-help book for people who are tired of reading self-help books. We're just tired of things not working, right? So yeah, I I think that's a really great question. Like what makes this different? Well, it's because principles are versatile and personal and they can move with you through seasons. They're not rules. They're not hacks. You know, like I actually really avoid using that word as much as I can simply because like things that are hacks for me are just like, they don't work for other people. So I rarely present things that are universal. Very few things are. I believe these principles are though. They're very simple things like being kind to yourself. There's no scenario where that is not applicable. There's just not, you know, there's just not. Scheduling rest, even in your busiest seasons, it is still really important to go, yeah, I need to rest. I need to physically rest. I need to mentally rest. I need to have fun. And sometimes even that word schedule, because some of our seasons are so busy, what we're doing is we're allowing ourselves to prioritize that thing In a really systematic way, I'm going to schedule rest. I'm going to put it on my calendar. I'm going to prioritize it in the same way that I'm prioritizing all the other things because this thing matters. I ran these 13 principles through like literally every piece of content I had ever made, ever, ever, ever to be like, do these work? Am I missing anything? Are any of these too prescriptive? And they're just not. They're just not, which is like a a high claim. I realize that, (laughs) but it's also why I'm so deeply proud of the Lazy Genius way. And the Lazy Genius kitchen is simply those principles applied in a very specific order to your kitchen because everybody has a kitchen. Everybody has to use it. But those 13 principles, those are the core of everything. And they truly work for everyone, no matter what your priority is.
0: Well, and as I was going through The Lazy Genius Kitchen, I realized that this was a productivity book, and it was a self-help book, though not a self-help book, and it's a cookbook, but not a cookbook, and you even literally say that in the opening page. It's not a cookbook. You say it's different. It's what it's is a lifeline. Yes, it's, it's not a cookbook, lifeline. It's
1: a lifeline, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not a
0: cookbook, it's a lifeline, and I'm like, wait a second, this is different, let's go in deep on this. And what's funny is, is that, you know, I don't do a lot of the cooking. My specialty is breakfast and that includes going all out, you know, breakfast for dinner is, is also my favorite. So there you go. Uh- There's <laughs>
1: nothing better than breakfast for dinner. I would eat breakfast Is my favorite meal with breakfast foods. That's my favorite genre of food. So like I am all for breakfast at every meal as much as possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so the thing is, I guess we should jump into the book, you know, I didn't intend to talk about the Lazy Genius Way podcast and or book for so long because obviously the Lazy Genius Kitchen is the brand new book. And the subtitle kind of says it all and kind of even paves the way for this not being just about cooking and just about the kitchen because it says, have what you need, use what you have and enjoy it like never before. And and that, again, that sounds like every other self-help book. That sounds like it's a slam. It's not. And yet you mean it. And you follow, <laughs> and yet you follow through right. on it, right? Right,
1: <laughs> right. No, it's not a slam at all. You're right. I mean, when I tell you that selling my books is hard, I mean it because the initial pitch where I'm like, I mean, it is a self-help book, but it's not, or it's one that really works. Or yeah, this is not a cookbook, but this is actually going to be incredibly helpful for you in your kitchen. And people are like, what is, what do you mean it's not a cook? What is a kitchen book? What does that even mean? (laughs) So I get it.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is that when I first opened it up and I started to go through it, I see it broken up into, you know, different parts with different steps in different areas. And as I'm looking at, you know, I mean, part one is called Your Lazy Genius Kitchen. And then there's these five steps. And I'm looking at these steps, and I'm just going to call them out here real quick, because i like to spend some time on this. But you say, you say, prioritize, essentialize, organize, personalize, systemize. And I'm like, yes, this is a productivity book. Of course it is, because those are productivity words, air quotes. And so anybody who is into One, this show or your show or self-help or productivity in general will find a home in this book in particular, but even more so, what's great is that it, it does help you with one of the specific areas that I think is not addressed in the productivity space enough, which is one, food, two, meal prep, three, the kitchen and organization, and probably four, five, and six that I don't know what to name just yet, but there you go.
1: Right actually, when it was time to kind of go through the decisions of like, where is this book going to be shelved? How is it going to be described? That was a big question. Is this shelved in a bookstore with cookbooks or with productivity? Which is such a strange thing, but you're right. It is like a productivity sort of cookbook that's not. So yeah, the Lazy Genius Kitchen. Here's the thing about the kitchen is we're, like I said before, we're all in it all the time. Like even if you use your kitchen just to make coffee, Or you grow your own food and you have chickens and you're feeding 10 people, like these, this wide spectrum. We all have to eat every day and we all have something in our homes. We all have some sort of space in our homes that will provide that for us, right? Like If you have a kitchen, this book is really important because the kitchen does not give us an opportunity or space to figure out what we should be doing because meals don't stop. We have to keep going. We have to keep buying more food and feeding more people and like throwing away food we didn't eat and all these different things. Like there's so many moving parts to the kitchen, but the only help out there when it comes to the kitchen are cookbooks and recipes. Recipes are not the solution, but because our only option, our only resources really our cookbooks with recipes, we think, well, I just don't know how to cook well enough, or I don't have the right pan, or I am still looking for that magical recipe that's going to change everything or that magical cookbook that's going to change everything. And we keep searching and we're just, we're searching in a space that is not going to give us the answers that we need. So I wanted to write a book that kind of made your cookbooks make sense, you know, that made it so that you could look at the cookbooks that you have, the meals that you make, the tools that you have, how your kitchen is organized, how you gather around the table, when you clean up breakfast dishes before dinner comes, you know, like all of these things. I wanted a book that sort of offered a framework for you to figure out how to exist in your kitchen in such a way that you do have what you need. Not what I tell you you need, but what you need. You use what you have. You know how to use the things that are important to you, right? Not just like spoons and Instant Pots, but the meal planning system that you want to use or don't want to use, you know? All the way to the enjoyment of that room. I think that if we have what we need and we use it in our kitchen, we're going to enjoy being there more. You know, like even if it's just marginally more than we do now, there is just a lot of life that is waiting to be lived in that room, in that very hardworking room for most of us. And usually the energy that we experience in that room though is like overwhelmed, tired, behind, annoyed, right? Like it's very rare. I think that a lot of us experience consistent joy in our kitchen and the key here, and this is really important. The key here. Is not that this is what you should do in order to experience that joy. The key is not everybody should eat these kinds of foods or everybody should organize their kitchen this particular way or everybody should have a another person over for dinner once every Friday or like it's not that. What we need is a framework. We need a path to walk down that helps us name what matters to us and then make decisions based on that with tools that are like actually appropriate and helpful and can kind of keep the engine running in our kitchen, so to speak, so that we can enjoy being in that space again. So the Lazy Genius Kitchen was super hard to write because like it doesn't exist anywhere. It was a weird thing to sort of put together, you know, like how is this gonna be organized to make sense for people because the spectrum of the kitchen is so wide and what we need from it and how we use it. But you're right, like this is a productivity book for your kitchen and it's illustrated, it's color. It's like, there's lots of like charts and graphs, super nerdy in that way. Like it is just such a blast of a book. I love it so much.
0: You're addressing that productivity problem we were talking about earlier, where again, it's, we want to feel like we can do all the things or should do all the things, but you're narrowing it down to a specific microcosm of the home and of life, which is a specific Place that has a specific use and it's the kitchen. And I think again, you're doing it through the lens of being principled instead of prescriptive.
1: Absolutely. We have like a, we have sort of like a house rule in our business and a ha- set house rules is another G genius principle. But we have a house rule in the business where it's like, if this is prescriptive, we don't do it. We just don't do anything prescriptive because it rarely works. The only time. That I want anything that I make, whether it's a podcast episode, really, that's really the place where we get super specific, like the the podcast applies these principles in specific places. The only time that I want someone to be like, well, not want, but where I want someone to experience like, oh, that's not for me, is simply because it's an episode about like your kid's artwork, you know, like managing all the papers that come home from your kid's school and you don't have kids. And so that's just not applicable to you. But even when you listen and you listen to the practice and the process of like how we use these principles in a certain order and how they kind of help, it's just like working that muscle even mentally to go like, Oh, that's an example. It's just like a case study. You know, you can listen to these podcasts like a case study, but I never, ever, ever want to be prescriptive in anything I do. Cause you're right. Like prescriptive only matters. It only works if your priorities and your personality, and your season of life line up exactly with whoever is giving you the advice or the hack or whatever it is. And sometimes that happens and that's wonderful. I'm not saying that hacks and all of that are bad. We just need to remember the reality of those kinds of prescriptive things. If you don't match up in all those categories, it might not work for you. You are not the problem. Neither is the author or the advice giver and neither is the hack. It just means that like it's like a shirt that doesn't fit. Like It's okay. It's not anyone's fault. It just doesn't fit.
0: Yeah. In order to fully align, you need all those things to to land, all three of those things. But again, if I were to listen to that episode you were mentioning about kids and their artwork, well, my kids are older than having artwork per se at this point, but that's not to say that One or two of the things would not align with me and I would still get something out of it. There are shows, there are business shows, there are, there are different podcasts that, or books for that matter, that I will listen to or articles I'll read. And you get something out of it, even if it's not a 100% alignment, but that's okay. Because sometimes those are the things that sneak up on you later and you realize you already have some background or some awareness in that, or you can swap out the circumstance from that episode, that show, that, you know, that whatever it was that dare I say, I'll call it content, that thing, (laughs) you can take that awareness of that and suddenly overlap it onto something you're fully aware of, and you become much more enlightened and aware in that thing you're already fully aware of because you've got that added extra perspective.
1: Absolutely. It's like when you're learning a language, which is silly for me to say because I've never learned a language other than Latin in high school, and that doesn't count because no one speaks it. So, you know, we'll take that example with a grain of salt. But, like, when you're learning a language... All the sentences, all of the conversations, like when you take conversational Spanish or conversational French, like it's not that those conversations are always relevant, but it's giving you practice to see how those words work in different contexts, which is it's a similar thing. You know, it's just good to notice how different people are using these principles in different ways because it just it sparks our own creativity of how we can use things. And it's really inspiring in that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, so let's take some time here before we close out to talk a little bit about entering into the book. Let's show people that, again, it's not prescriptive and instead it's principled and let them enter into the book a little bit and, and maybe go through a few of these different steps in part one. Obviously, prioritizes the first one and naming what matters the most. What does that look like?
1: Absolutely. So the the general structure Of the book is there are three parts. You already mentioned part one. Part one is your lazy genius kitchen and it lays out five steps that you follow in order. The order matters. Go in the right order is also a lazy genius principle. Order often really, really matters. So those, the first uh, section shows those five steps. The second section of the book applies those five steps to six different areas of your kitchen. So the space and the stuff that's in it. So the actual physical space, your food, the kind of food that you shop for and how you store it, the sort of meals that you make, right? Because we all have different kinds of meals that we're making depending on our season of life and our dietary restrictions, all kinds of things. Our plan, how do we decide what we're going to eat? How do we decide when we're going to decide what to eat? All those things. And then the fifth section is prep. And that is not just like getting food ready, It's keeping your kitchen in a flow from one meal to the next meal, from one thing to the next thing. How can you not feel behind in your kitchen? How do those five steps impact the flow in your kitchen? And then the final area of your kitchen is the table when we're gathering together. So I think of the first part of the book explaining those five steps kind of like the lecture. And then the second part of the book is like the lab where we're applying those five steps to all these different areas. And there are tons and tons of examples, but they're just examples. They're just like, yeah, they're just ways for you to see like, oh, that's how that works in this scenario, but it doesn't have to work for, you know, me and another. And then the third section is just like, I call it a beefy appendix. It is just the most amazing collection of like tips and how to's and All kinds of resources that are pretty much just one to two pages of like how to feed a crowd, how to plan a month of meals at once, how to have your kids help you in the kitchen without losing your mind. Like all of these different lists and charts, how to cook chicken, like tons of things that are just like these one-off resources. So that's kind of the the overall structure of the book. Back to the first part with those five steps. The five steps are... You mentioned them already. I'll say them again, though. Prioritize. You name what matters. You have to know what matters about whatever situation you are in. And even the smallest thing, especially the smallest thing, what matters most right now about the dinner that I need to make tonight? What matters most? Is it that we have been eating grilled cheese and chips at the pool for a week and we need something from the ground? You know, because everyone has has had stomach aches for the last three or four days. You know, is that the thing that matters the most? Whatever the case may be. So the this first step is to prioritize and name what matters. The second step is to get rid of what is in the way. And the word for that is essentialize. Essentialize, get rid of what's in the way. So if you are um trying to support what matters to you and you have something that is in your head, in your cabinet in your calendar, in your pantry, any of that, that is not supporting what matters, it's best to remove it. It's best to get it out of the way. Like I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who she's a working mom. She lives in a two-parent household, three kids who are old enough to have like a lot of things going on. And again, she works full time and she was trying to figure out how to get dinner on the table and was feeling a lot of shame that she was depending on food that was like mostly already ready to go, you know, like Trader Joe's chicken that you just have to put in the oven or vegetables that are already cut up or anything like, or take out, anything like that. And when I asked her in our conversation, we started out with, well, what matters to you about your meals? And she said, it needs to be quick. It needs to be easy. Those make total sense for a full-time working parent, right? Quick, easy, and a vegetable. She said, it'd be great if there was, I want there to be one vegetable present at the dinner, right? Right. Well, when she was talking about when we went moved to essentialize, what's in the way of that? She kept like hemming and hawing about the things that she had in her kitchen, in her fridge, in her pantry that were not homemade. And I said to her, but guess what? Doesn't matter to you that it is homemade. It doesn't matter. So removing the expectation that you're like not feeding your family well because you're buying food that's like mostly ready to go already. That's an expectation that is interfering, that is in the way with what matters most to you, which is that the meal is quick and easy and has a vegetable in it. That's why essentialize is the second step, because you have to get rid of it's in the way first before you do the third thing, which is organize.
0: And I want to jump in here and say, I hear echoes of the beginning of our conversation and especially the word permission and and you're talking about the word expectation here. And it's funny that they're hung up on an expectation that isn't even their own expectation. It's an external expectation. Absolutely. From, it's from outside of themselves. You clarified for them that it wasn't even a thing that was on their list of what should be in the components to make the decision by. And suddenly they're freed from that. And they're still covering all the other bases or checks on the checklist for what their meals are. It's insane to me that we get caught up so much in that.
1: We do. We really, really do. And the thing that's, I said this before, the thing about the kitchen is it doesn't really give us space to take a breath and check in with those things. We keep opening the same cabinet and moving the same stack of cups that like our kids are too old to use anymore, you know, like your youngest kid is eight and you still have sippy cups in your cabinet or something because you're just like going through the motions. Don't we do that with so many things? That's why we seek out productivity anyway, is we're trying to to make our movements and our choices more efficient to some degree, right? Well, that is so true in our kitchen, but we have so little time to pay attention to those things, to the physical things that are in the way, to those external expectations that are in the way. The book, I hope, is sort of that space. It is kind of an intent Space of permission to go, okay, what's in the way? What did you not even realize? What did you not even notice was there? You know, you're like, when I come home from work and I want to make dinner, I'm so frustrated because I have to move everything off the counter to make dinner. Well, how about we stop putting that stuff on the counter and put it somewhere else? Let's find a different place for that stuff, right? Let's back up a step and figure out what's in the way. What's in the way is our habits of putting the mail. And you know, do people still have briefcases, briefcases, and book bags, and whatever on the counter? Let's stop doing that. Let's stop that habit. Let's shift that and find a new place for those things so that the counter is more clear. We can have a house rule where it's like, okay, nothing is stored on the counter. Nothing, and it's and that's not trying to be. I always channel Marie Barone in Everybody Loves Raymond. House rules are not to be like Marie Brown. House rules are not for your own protection or for your own interests. They truly are in the interest of everybody to keep everybody like on the same page before things just kind of implode, right? Because the minute that we make rules in our homes for ourselves, for our families, for our people... If they are made from a place of like protection of something that's like we're gripping onto control, we're trying to protect the control that we have in our space, right? It has to be this way. If we're making rules with that as our motivation, we're going to be angry every time they're broken, every single time. We're going to be angry at ourselves. We're going to be angry at our families. We're going to be angry at our coworkers. We're going to be angry at everybody. Instead, if the rule is set with the intention of, you know what? I don't want to be frustrated when I'm making dinner and like yelling at somebody to take the book bag off the counter. What I can say is, remember no stuff on the counter. Can everybody come get your stuff? Like that's it. You know, like it doesn't have to be this like emotionally fraught thing. So all that to say, I've mentioned like several principles. I see the 13 principles in the lazy genius way. It's like a Swiss army knife. You have all these like little, little things that you can pull out and you might open up the whole dang thing at once. And it's like, we need every Single part of the Swiss army knife right now, or it's like, no, I just need the corkscrew. I just need to decide once. I just need to batch it. I just need to be kind to myself. I just need to remember to live in my season that I'm resenting the fact that something that worked two seasons ago isn't working now. I just need to remember to live in my season. So these principles are just so fluid, but solid. If that's possible, like they just are nimble and they work with you, but they are so dependable, especially in a kitchen.
0: Man, I don't want to not keep talking about the book, but I know that there's just we, – we've basically sold it. Like it, You either get it or you don't or <laughs> or whatever. I think, and for that matter, the previous book, The Lazy Genius Way, <laughs> I think we've covered them both really well. Like I said before, pre-recording and during recording, I have The Lazy Genius Kitchen here in front of me. I ordered The Lazy Genius Way. I also have subscribed to the lazy genius podcast i'd love to because podcast listeners always want more podcasts to listen to i would love for you to maybe describe a little bit about what the show is like and then point us to all the places that we can jump on board all three of these things as well as everything else you're working on
1: absolutely well the podcast is called the lazy genius podcast and we have 260 some episodes at this point episodes come out on mondays every single monday And they are around 20 minutes long. And it's just me. I occasionally have an interview. I have like maybe four to six a year. So it is definitely not an interview show. The titles are very clear. It's the Lazy Genius Guide to Whatever. You know, it's like How to Come Home from Vacation. The Lazy Genius Guide to Laundry. You know, there are like tons and tons of things. So if you scroll through that archive of episodes, you can just sort of grab onto like, oh, that sounds really great. But I will say episode two. Hundred is a really great place to start. It's actually called the Lazy Genius Starter Kit and it is 20 episodes that will change your life immediately. It's like we just took the 20 that like sort of cover the wide gamut of like being a person and productivity and what it means to be a lazy genius and described them all in one episode in the show notes, it has, you know, all those episodes linked up. So that's like a really great, that's why it's called the Starter Kit. It's like a really great place to begin if you're new to this space. And then I'm on Instagram as well, at the Lazy Genius. Everything is the Lazy Genius something. Like everything is. I made a joke in the Lazy Genius kitchen that like, I'm not going to write the Lazy Genius bathroom. Like I don't want to become, <laughs> I don't want to become like chicken soup for the soul, you know, where it's like chicken soup for the teenager and chicken soup for your pet. And like, <laughs> you have to be careful. But so far... Everything is the lazy genius something.
0: Oh, that's so good. What's funny is you were just describing your episode 200. And this podcast actually, believe it or not, is going to be 10 years old in August. And that's the approach I'm taking.
1: Congratulations. That is a long time to be making something.
0: So spoiler alert to listeners, this is something that's going to happen coming in the future where, and I haven't decided, I haven't said, oh, 20, but I want to come up with a nice, you know, really, I mean, 10 would be great because 10 years old, but anyway – August is going to be beyond the to-do list birthday month. I will be doing the same thing. And I really l- like the validation that you just confirmed it for me. <laughs>
1: oh, it's so great. Because I think when people, you know, when people be- find something new, I mean, I, I think about this as a user all the time and I, I don't do this terribly well in some of my other content. The podcast, hopefully is, it is true. But like, you know, when you discover someone, you just kind of want to know, like, where to begin with them. You know, if you find somebody on Instagram or you hear a show and you're like, it's like, you need an introduction. You need like a speed dating round of like, who is this person? What are they doing? What can, you know? And so I think it's a great idea to to do. And again, congratulations on 10 years. That is no small thing, sir. That is really great.
0: Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's been a long time coming obviously. And you're doing great too. I, again, I have subscribed to your show and so I will not just list, but I will also link up to everything that you just mentioned and put it in the show notes for this episode and then everybody will be able to jump over and take a look. I can't wait to see what you're doing next. I know you're going to have to come back on the show. So Kendra, it's been great talking with you. I cannot wait to have you back sometime soon.
1: Thank you for having me, Eric. This is great.
0: Thank you very much. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Kendra Adachi. I had a great time talking with her. I mean, I can't believe she brought up MacGyver. Come on. That's good stuff right there. I love this concept of the lazy genius. And yes, I have linked up in the show notes to her podcast and also the lazy genius way, the book, as well as her new book, the lazy genius kitchen. All three of those things are going to be in rotation in my home. I welcome you to do the same. Click through and find those in the show notes for this episode. If you found this episode helpful, if you enjoyed this conversation, I would love for you to do me and Kendra the favor of sharing this episode with somebody that you know needs to hear it. Do that favor for that person as well. Hit the share button in your podcast player app of choice or on the show notes over at beyondthetodolist.com. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you next episode.